0: Furniture can be replaced. Dishes, you know, appliances. You know. Although I have to mention Dolly Parton. Man, ten grand. Yes, ma'am.
1: away with me. Get that out. Don't break my hair.
2: It's a few weeks after the wildfire. Dolly Parton is on a stage in Nashville, Tennessee, teasing Kenny Rogers in the middle of their Islands in the stream performance
1: getting higher or are we just getting
2: older, okay. Come on, sail away with me. The two have reunited per Dolly's request. It's for a telethon called Smoky Mountain Rise.
1: Well, this is my home and I'm in a position to help and I should help. And I'm thrilled to death that it's worked out to where I can help. Kenny Rogers, that was what he, my buddy Kenny, one of the first things he said, what can I do? I said, get your butt down here and let's sing <laughs> Island's
2: in the Stream. It ended up raising $9 million. And with that money, she made a generous pledge. $1,000 would go into the pockets of people who lost their primary homes in the fires. Parton recruited a team of A-listers to help out. On TV, it looked
1: like the world was on fire. And I was absolutely going to pieces like we all did. Everybody on the phone trying to reach everybody. Is everybody okay? Is the family okay? And it took hours and hours for us to really know for sure that our own family
2: was okay. The concert was hardly the first time she stepped up to help East Tennessee. That Dolly Parton hasn't forgotten her humble mountain roots since soaring to country superstardom back in the late 60s isn't just a cute PR pitch, it's a statistically wholesome fact that's endeared her to the people who live here for generations. And she declared, as the fires were still burning, that she'd be there once again for her people.
1: Just like when a family member is sick or having trouble. That's how I feel about this. This is home. These are the people that need me now.
2: And because Dolly's made a career of going above and beyond, it didn't stop there.
1: You look very pretty. Well, so do you. I mean, this is home. Charity begins at home, right? But anyway, I'm just saying. Nobody about but you would be so kind oh, and generous. I'm sure nearly anybody up here would do that. These are good people.
3: No. I got five words for you. I will always love you.
1: <laughs> you don't mind if I Thank kiss you, it, <laughs> That's the right thing to do. I'm a Smoky Mountain girl, and I've been blessed in my life to become a celebrity. And when you are in a position to help, you should help.
2: Her help was a much-needed jumpstart to a region still reeling from the wildfires. But even with the help of Sevier County's most prolific hometown hero.
1: Everybody goes to the mountains, their children, those hiking trails. The Great Smoky Mountains National Park is the most visited national park in the United States. So it ain't just about it being my home. This is one of the greatest tourist areas in all of Tennessee, or in the south, I think, or in the world as far as I'm concerned.
2: The road to recovery hasn't been
4: easy.
5: fire rained down from the hillside beside the motel
2: like a bunch of embers falling from the sky huge look like lava every minute and second counts for people fleeing for their lives
1: from wbir channel 10 in knoxville a series of stories where we look back at the tragedy of the gatlinburg
2: wildfires what was lost what went wrong and how we've rebuilt since the flames i'm robin Wilhoit, and i'm madison stacy
6: it's fire is really close to
1: us, we're gonna die in here.
7: Why did they warn us? Why did they warn us? Why did they warn us? Why
5: did they warn us?
1: This is Inferno, the Gatlinburg disaster.
2: How do you recover from a disaster? Until the night of November 28th, 2016, no one around here really knew how to address that question. Now we all know. It takes time, lots of time, maybe years. It takes sacrifice, and it takes money. It requires you to think about things in a way you probably never have before. Many survivors have had to accept that their lives will never be the same again. In Gatlinburg today, at the tail end of 2019, there's been a lot of progress since the fires, but the town is far from whole. Downtown looks fine. It was spared mostly. But drive the narrow roads of the surrounding hills, and you'll see there's a lot of work still to be done. New homes are still being built. Some old lots sit burned out and empty. Some people may never rebuild. And some, as Robin and John saw on a recent trip to Gatlinburg, may never rebuild.
4: Uh,
5: This is just kind of like a gully where fire just kind of swept through it. It
6: did. And okay, these look
5: new to me. Yeah, those are all new.
1: Yeah. looks like
5: this one may, it's still under construction.
1: Yeah, I have to imagine the vast majority of these homes. Look, yeah, this another, another rebuilding. Yep. prepared to see, not that, you know, it it looks very, you know, like
6: a community that people live, but the trees, the vast number of trees, which obviously they were compromised because of the fire, but
7: there's a foundation in the house that burned. Oh, yeah.
6: Another new house?
1: Yep. yep. You wonder
5: how many were actually spared? Not yeah, many, I would know. guess, right? No, no. I mean, seriously.
2: Indeed, many homes weren't spared. The estimated count of lost homes was around 2,500. And many of those people chose not to rebuild, but some did. The city of Gatlinburg said that as of December 2019, a total of 421 building permits have been issued. 149 of those permits were residential, and one of those residents is Linda Morrow. Her new cabin sits near where her old one was, right on Baskins Creek Road. The delights of the Smokies just across the road, the same one she fled down three years ago, still inspire her art. And her new home has an art studio. This
8: is the, the creek. Uh-huh. It's beautiful. Our, our
2: cabin. Oh, yes. look at your cat. Oh, BB.
8: Is that BB? Yeah.
2: Oh.
0: baby King. He's lounging on the <laughs> wood. It's just oh, like yeah. he's in
2: between two planks of uh-huh. wood. Yeah, he's a smart,
0: smart cat. He has he chased off more than one bear. I swear. Oh, my God. I swear. Dave's got pictures. He's so fierce. He is fierce, oh. honey. He's a survivor let me tell you so the the cabin was right in there see the shed that was that was the back of the little cabin and came out this way to those stumps right there we had some magnificent trees up in there and you know we've got we've got trees coming back they're small but hopefully everything will be all right but i told you that we had so many come down that the mountainside shifted Mm. So that's why we had to apply for a variance to build on this end. It's a double lot, happily. But isn't that sound magnificent? Boy, you talk about snoozing. When the weather was milder, we've got two French doors back there at the end. There's That's the uh, bedroom. And Dave's got screen over it and everything. We'd open those up and just, woo, doggy. Snooze city.
2: <laughs> Has it been, I mean... Maybe this is like too poetic, but you guys are really rebuilding as nature kind of rebuilds as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, very symbolic.
0: You know, we, we've got, uh, and you know, it's amazing. What, see that little pumpkin right there? Yeah. That volunteered itself behind the RV this year. We thought it was a watermelon for a
2: long time. Ooh, just grew. It just volunteered itself. What Linda's getting a first-hand look at is the regeneration happening in the Smokies. Here's Jim Matheny.
9: About a year and a half after the fire, you can see clearly a lot of things re-sprouting. In the Great Smoky
5: Mountains, the fluorescent green of new growth gives the blackened earth a refreshing recovery. After ferocious winds fanned flames across 10,000 acres of the park in November 2016,
9: this trail is a really great place to see, you know, what the forest looks like after the fire in the majority of the area that burned.
5: Fire ecologist Rob Klein with the National Park Service says the fire moved fast and most of it burned fast, without smoldering too deep into the ground.
9: 70% of the wildfire, the forest is only lightly affected and it's going to recover really quickly. So some of the trees do have char on the base of the tree, but what you also see is the resprouting. For a lot of people, in just a couple of years, it'll be hard to tell that, the, that an area like this burned. Fires have been really important throughout the Southern Appalachians for thousands of years. Most of the species that live in this forest have the ability to re-sprout following a disturbance like fire. Some species
5: not only adapted to survive the flames, they grew to rely on them.
9: It's one of the more interesting stories about this fire. The regeneration of those species that are dependent on fire. In this area burned much more severely As you look up into the trees, you can start to see some of the cones of the Table Mountain Pine. Yeah, these trees have developed a unique adaptation with the expectation that there would be fire occurring on a regular basis. These are the cones, they're sealed shut with resin, and they stay in the tree for 10, 20 years uh, sealed shut. The heat from the fire causes that resin to melt and break down. The cones open up, the seeds start to, uh, to fall out. The tree has an opportunity to survive that wildfire by reproducing, and that's the strategy of the Table Mountain Pine.
5: The fire opens the ground to sunlight for seeds to spin down and take root.
9: So they're really adapted to the specific habitat that's created by the wildfire. And there's actually been some concern about these trees over the longer term just due to the lack of fire. We actually started to see them germinating within about three or four months after the wildfire. And
5: now hundreds of Table Mountain Pine seedlings grow bright green on the fire-scarred ridges of the Smokies.
9: And you can see how tall they've grown in just over a year and a half. It's going to be an unbelievable transformation over the next five to ten years, and it's be- going to become a very dense thicket of pine. It says a lot about the tenacity of the plants and trees that live in this area.
5: All this growth came from a painful experience. Klein says he hopes to learn from it all with a refresher and a
9: chance to grow with the forest. We've been putting fires out for a a really long time, and we've lost a lot of that knowledge of how they actually operate on this landscape. Gives us an opportunity to to kind of relearn some of those lessons so that we can be better prepared for the next time it occurs.
0: maybe a a bird pooped or something. (laughs) But yeah, the, the forest will regenerate itself. I mean, there was trees over here that had burnt too and uh, a lot of them regenerated so and the wind that night talk about seeds i mean i i have see those yellow flowers right there i never planted those i love to garden but i never planted those and there was all kinds of things on this bank right over here that volunteered themselves it's just just amazing how how nature will regenerate itself on our old GMC. Mm -hmm. See that phoenix? (laughs) (laughs) Very symbolic. Very, very symbolic.
4: Two or three days in, there was a group of us kind of senior business leaders in town and and political leaders and things like that sat around a table in a conference room and said, what are we going to do?
2: it hardly took Gatlinburg businesses three years to regenerate. Ryan Desir, the general manager for Ripley's Aquarium, who you met last episode, remembers trying to form a plan.
4: You know, the fires are largely under control or getting under control, but we have a businesses to operate. We don't know, was there a loss of life? Like, there's a lot of things we yet, we just didn't know because communications were so bad. We kind of crafted a message, you know, that said, look, if you love Gatlinburg, when, we're, when we reopen, come back and spend money with us. Please, you know, our livelihoods depend on it. And it worked. And when we talked about it, it sounded kind of, uh, it sounds kind of lame. Like, you know, in retrospect, I think about how did that ever work? But when we were all in the media, we said, look, Gatlinburg's going to be fine. It's going to be better than ever. When we reopen, it's going to be great. You need to come back. If you love it, please come back and spend money. I. I didn't really think it would work, even though I was a big promoter of it, because you need something to promote. It was the best idea of a lot of bad ideas, right?
2: People did come back, but that wasn't the case initially. Gatlinburg opened for business early in 2016, December 9th. But given the news people were hearing, a lot of people thought the city had been totally destroyed. And in the months after the wildfire, that really hurt the city. But two years later, the Sevier County economy wasn't just back on its feet. It was doing better than ever.
8: Two years ago, the Sevier County wildfires had the potential to destroy the county's economy. The business community started panicking, thinking, oh, what are we gonna do, what are we gonna do? After the fires, one message echoed was the county needed people to come back in order to thrive. This is like the quietest I've ever seen it, but that's gonna change. It's gonna be back stronger than ever. Now, two years later, it's tourists like Charlene Soares that have contributed to what's being called a booming economy.
1: I'm really surprised. I was expecting to see a lot of uh, black earth and, and trees gone and buildings gone.
8: As far as tourism in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, the fires didn't seem to slow down traffic. In 2015, over 10 million people visited the park. Then in 2016, that number increased by over 1 million. In 2017, while businesses were rebuilding, over 11 million people visited the park, setting the all-time record. Park officials are confident they'll set a new record this year. It took a
6: long time for the people to realize the park was still open.
8: And most of the people who visit the park visit Gatlinburg, according to city officials.
6: They had thought that half the park burned down. They still ask questions about the fires.
8: Jan Cochran, a park volunteer, had some doubts but knew that the park would prevail. It was very hard. So despite the temporary roadblock, Sevier County came out on top when it comes to the economy. I can't tell
1: that there's any effect of the fires on the economy today.
2: One effect from the fires on the city, though, is that now those tourists who keep coming into Gautenburg are more protected. In 2016, a consulting company came in to investigate what went wrong, and they concluded that first responders and emergency personnel acted heroically against the flames, but that the communication breakdown did likely cost lives. And since then, the city's made significant changes to those communication failures. That included updating an old siren system and implementing a brand new emergency management system.
8: So it's hard to to find one avenue to reach everybody when you want to get a message to them.
4: Sevier County and Gatlinburg have now installed five upgraded sirens downtown to alert folks in harm's way. They plan to add nine more across the county in the coming months. On November 28th, officials lost internet and phone lines at the Gatlinburg Command Center around 830 and were unable to have state officials trigger emergency broadcast alerts or phone notifications through a system called iPause. They hope to prevent that through upgrades to that system that will allow them to trigger those notifications locally.
8: If something like that happened, we, we lost communication, we would not have to rely on somebody outside the county to do that for us or in Nashville as we did that night on November 28th.
4: They also plan to upgrade the county's code red alert system, add emergency information flyers to all rental properties, and mark evacuation routes off the mountain. Officials say they want to learn from this tragedy.
2: Since 2016, those hillsides and winding roads of Gatlinburg have held a new and terrible sort of mystique, because now these are forever the places where innocent people lost their lives. At Wiley Oakley, Chalet Village, Ski Mountain Road, and other areas where people fled for their lives, it's not something people forget. As more businesses grew up from the ash, so too did memorials.
6: We're here together as a family and showing students that love carries you through everything. Losing a friend is something most adults hope we never have to experience. The 4th and 6th graders at Pi Beta Phi Elementary have already been forced to learn about grief. There's been a lot of conversations uh, about the girls today, throughout today, uh, memories of field trips and fun times together. 12-year-old Chloe and 9-year-old Lily Reed both died alongside their mother in the November wildfires in Gatlinburg. When students heard about a tree dedication ceremony for their friends, they asked to be a part of it. Some shared their feelings with song,
2: with words,
6: and one student asked if they could use bubbles to remember their friends by. I thought it was the most precious and wonderful idea to um, give the kids that opportunity to send a thought or a prayer or a wish or uh, whatever they were feeling at that time to release that to the girls. Student Madison Darden wrote letters to Chloe and Lily's father, Michael Reed. She was friends with Chloe.
1: If you were lonely or something, she would come over and she loved hugs. She would come up and give you a big hug.
6: Today, Michael took time with each class to thank them for their support and do what Chloe would have done, share a hug.
3: Over this ridge right here, Wally
2: Oakley. Oh yeah. The homes are well, you, still. Well you can
7: just um, see these
2: trees?
7: Yeah. See that we've got to, we got we've gotta cut those trees. But that, that's going back this way was Wiley Oakley Drive, you know, going west, kinda of northwest from this point. But that's the way it is. That's the way it was. Yeah. But look under the trees, that's what we like to dwell on. See the regrowth? <laughs> that's our story. You know that the, the the blessing here at the Gatlinburg Skylift is, this is our 65th year. Mm-hmm. We're, we're the oldest attraction in this town. And uh, we kind of like to say now we're the oldest new attraction. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so, you know, that's, so we, we've got a, we've really got a, a story and stories to tell, you know, here.
2: It's the week before Christmas and families, as they have for generations, stream into Gatlinburg. It's even it's even like that downtown right now. Oh, yeah. People are kind of just, just now starting to venture low,
3: out. We're low before the storm. <laughs>
2: right.
3: <laughs> yeah. You know, we always say when we come into work, if there's a line at the pancake pantry, then more than likely you're going to have a really yeah. busy day.
2: Chilled hands are made warm by hot chocolate, the shoulders of papas grow heavy with the weight of little ones, and Santa's always just around the corner. These people fetter into new businesses or else venture further up the hillsides in pursuit of wintertime adventure. And one of downtown's newest adventures is the Gatlinburg Sky Bridge. It's the newest addition to Skylift Park, the oldest attraction in Gatlinburg. And I'm venturing up to the top of the mountain with Marcus and Randy Watson, their father and son.
3: Well, I mean, Randy, you wanna... Well, first of all, Randy's my dad. I call him Randy because we're at work and I have to be professional.
7: <laughs> I, I'm. Well, my, my name is Randy Watson. I'm general manager here at the Gatlinburg Skylift. Uh, this is my 42nd year
8: here
2: in 2016 it was destroyed it was in one of the fire's hottest zones but that business like so many others rose up it's really um as we're kind of climbing this and there's all of this on the side that's left over from the fire it's yeah. really kind of symbolic
7: it really is
2: hundreds of feet up in fact
7: it really is and We've cleaned up, Uh, we've probably cleaned, it's been such a challenge because you can see the steepness of the hill, but we've cleaned up about half maybe of what was burnt, you know, that we've had to cut down. Mm -hmm. And what we do, we we pull those dead trees up and then we chip them back to, to the, you know, to the mountain so we're trying our best to return the best we can you know but literally well i don't
2: i don't think that you would be able to tell that that was debris necessarily right you know yeah. if, if you didn't Correct. know that yes. i notice it because i'm doing a podcast on the fires and i'm like oh yes. is that from the fire but i think if you were just coming up here you wouldn't you know that, it's that l- dead l- bark right
7: there on the yeah, yeah. so you just but the my first trip down this mountain after the fires, if you can just imagine it, it was nothing but black powder. There was nothing but these rocks, you know, the rocks here, but I mean, it was just black uh, soil. And it was, I thought, I thought, will this ever recover? And then as you can see, these are native mountain laurel bushes.
2: Oh, People so ask random. me, they
7: say, H- "Who set those out?" I said, "God set those out. God set those bushes out." And but when I came down the mountain, that I thought, "Will we've lost every one of these bushes?" But as you see, how hardy these bushes are and they're so beautiful in the spring mm-hmm. and we also in the addition thinking we'd lost everything we had, we planted an additional 250 oh, really? uh, domestic rodents. so we've got a bouquet here <laughs> right. in the spring it's beautiful
1: yeah. you know
7: and we've got them we've got them staggered where we have some flaming azalea they'll come in later after the mountain laurel you mm-hmm. know and then we have domestic rhododendron mm-hmm. so uh, it just uh, it's kind of a uh, we we really you've heard the saying the beauty from the ashes and what we've experienced it and we we're, we're living it you know right now we just got so much to be thankful for uh, after you know the, the the first day when we came and seen what we had it was just it was just a kick in the gut
2: do you and, do you still have i mean those memories even you know 3 years on are still very mm-hmm. present for you when you see all the the green here is it it's it, like a constant kind of a thing like oh my gosh i can't believe it. you yeah, can't
7: believe back. when you know it's just like last night uh i had my other son up here uh they'd come in for a visit and he was very familiar with the place he said i just can't believe what what y'all where, where we've come from where we're at now so it's just
3: and he worked here growing up he too. Worked, yeah, yeah he worked
7: here growing up so and it, he, the- he he just he's and he's seen but as you can see look, look at these beautiful uh saplings coming up already i mean it's just a story of rebirth yeah and so you know we're just we just got a lot to be thankful for
2: well and at this point i bet most people would be looking i mean we're focused on the trees but i think most people would be looking at this amazing view that's oh, behind it's, us
7: it's yeah. it's our uh That's our utopia of the attraction, you know, it really is. It's that beauty God put out there for everybody to enjoy and to see his creation out there.
2: We make our way out onto the bridge. Well, the sun's kind of starting to come out. People are starting to meander in. It's so pretty. Where Gatlinburg sprawls out far underneath our feet, continuing in all directions to meet the greater Smokies beyond. It's a view that, if not for the fires, wouldn't exist at all.
7: You can see, how you can see downtown. Before, you wouldn't have been able to see the, chair, the sky lift building down there.
2: High above the treetops, charred and deadened trees blend into the ones winter made bare. The scars the wildfire made in the Smokies, for now at least, are hidden against a gentle winter gray.
3: No matter what season it is, it offers something different. You know, like in the wintertime, even though the leaves are down, you know, you get a different experience with the the snow that could potentially come and the lights.
2: Pretty soon, these cold days will give way to spring's first green. And the scars of the fires will, with every passing year, give way to more green. Healing those scars with new life.
3: It resonates with people because Gautenburg is the home away from home.
2: From this vantage point, people gaze into the heart of the festive mountain town that's cozied nicely into the valley.
3: To me, The thing that stands out to me the most is seeing what Gatlinburg really looks like, you know, Mm -hmm. like you're in Gatlinburg and there's the shopping and there's the different attractions. But then you get above it, above it, and you can just like hold your hands out and put it in between. You're like, yeah, that's
2: (laughs) Gatlinburg. There it is. Their eyes wander further off into the distance, into the horizon of an ancient wilderness, knowing now that the wild within isn't really so far away. And here, up high above a town that refused to stay crumbled into the dust, a steady mountain wind caresses hands, tickling toes, as it has for millennia. It's calm up here, and Gatlinburg is at peace. Inferno is a podcast from WBIR Channel 10, a Tegna company. This episode was written, hosted, and produced by me, Madison Stacey. Editing is by Brian Holt and me. Original reporting contributed by Jim Atheney, Brandon Bates, Michael Crow, and Mary Scott.
5: There are mysteries tucked deep within the Great Smoky Mountains.
2: A wealthy woman killed in her own mansion while frosting a cake.
5: A famous DJ shot dead in his car.
2: And two sisters murdered on the same night.
5: I'm John North.
2: And I'm Leslie Ackerson. In our podcast, Appalachian Unsolved, we explore some of the most infamous cold cases.
5: Facts are as baffling as the mist over the Great Smoky Mountains, where these stories played out. We'll search for answers as we walk you through the twists and turns of these cold cases. Help us find answers. Join us for Appalachian Unsolved, the podcast. You can subscribe now in iTunes, Spotify, and in your Google Play Store.